welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, brought to you from the editorial team at Hotel Analyst, gathered as we are around the desk of insight. And the three of us here today are Andrew Sankster, our editorial director, Catherine Doggrell, who is our perspectives editor, and me, Chris Bowne, the web editor. This week, as usual, we have three topics to discuss and to give you our opinions on. And we're going to start by talking about tourist taxes. Now, was it Star Artois that used to say it was reassuringly expensive? Well, tourist taxes may be one way to reduce the number of uh, low spending customers coming to your destination. Catherine has been having a look at uh, what's going on on this front. Catherine. Yes, damn you, low spending customers, um, but uh, but no more. But um, intriguingly, the all parliamentary group for hospitality in this country has been looking once again at how much they can milk the goose that's laying golden eggs all over the place at the moment in these difficult times of, uh, of no more car plants. And they decided they're quite a lot, but um, not as much as you would like to think. Uh, as hotels, it's going to shock everyone to learn at this juncture, are under quite a lot of cost pressure at the moment. Um, and there's been some chat about whether we should be in fact reducing VAT uh, to complement them on this as it does in uh, other places in that their Europe. Um, so there's been some chatter around that this week. And at the same time, in uh, terms of if we raise tax here, maybe we should be dropping things somewhere else to ensure that the whole thing doesn't explode in a cataclysm of horror. So once again, the spectre of VAT being cut raises its um, frequently banged head, I think, at this juncture. But uh, so we'll see how that goes. It could be very intriguing. But um, there is an issue with over-tourism, as we know, and it's becoming something that, that governments are starting to think about. And um, certainly in the Netherlands, the Tourist Board recently announced that it was going to try and divert people away from its lovely canals in Amsterdam towards, say, Rotterdam or other places which may be of interest and equally flat to get to. And uh, I think last week as well, lots of employees in the Louvre walked out after um, overcrowding was peeving them as people gathered around the Mona Lisa. So it's an issue and possibly the way to do it is to make everything very, 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 very expensive, but not so expensive as it ends up hitting hotels. Hmm, discuss. Well, we've discussed at length the idiocy of the campaign to cut VAT on um hotels what government in a period of austerity is going to cut the tax on luxury goods and however you want to dress it up and however strong you make the case they simply ain't gonna do it and i don't know why the industry wasted so much breath lobbying for this it simply is never going to happen and actually what it needs to do is focus itself on dealing with egregious taxes like bed taxes and start getting good relationships with governments uh, both at the local and national levels um, so that it can make its case and be seen as a responsible and sensible citizen now past little escapades which some of the lobbying in our industry have seen such as turning up outside party conferences, waving um, billboards saying, cut taxes now. <laughs> um, it just makes us look absurd and ridiculous. We are a strong growing industry um, that actually does not need government handouts, unlike industries such as agriculture and increasingly manufacturing. Um, so what we actually ought to be arguing and making the case for is sensible rational taxes and not for tourism to be dis 
um, disadvantaged relative to other industries. Stop giving handouts to dead and dying industries like the car industry um, and, and instead, you know, do things which support and sustain hospitality. Um, so there are lots and lots of numbers out there, but I think it's, uh, well, you know, one of the interesting ones that I, I came across when doing a quick bit of research um, for the piece this week was something the World Travel and Tourism Council put out uh, back in 2012. And it looked at, this is US specific, but it looked at how much the travel and tourism industry was taxed um, in the US, what, what it actually paid in tax in the US. And it was 14% of its um, economic output, it was paid in tax. Now, in, by contrast, manufacturing paid just 4% and agriculture paid just 6%. Now, in Europe, I think agriculture would pay even less. In fact, um, about half, more than half of the income of the agricultural sector comes from subsidy. Now, it's, it's a shocking state of affairs. And yet we are still in a situation where people bang on about manufacturing or um, agriculture ahead of tourism and we need to get to the position where where we say well look you know it's tragic that um, Bridge End is closing down and 1,700 jobs are being lost. But the far bigger impacts are happening to service sector economies, uh, service sector industries, and we, that's where the focus needs to be. Now, uh, the worry I have is that the balance of um, where taxes should drop is falling even further against the hospitality sector right now because politicians have switched on to the fact that um, tourism can be seen as an externality a negative externality in the sense of um, you, you know it's upsetting locals it's creating congestion it's raising house prices blah 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 um, and they think well actually well we ought to tax that it's a bad thing and I have to say the daft way in which um, some of the sector has been campaigning against the sharing economy by pointing out it's increasing the the price of houses is only um, adding to the to the, the the will of politicians to start taxing our industry we need a bit more of a grown-up approach to this and a bit more sensible approach and and start working with government and explaining to them look okay so you've got an issue with over tourism well focus on um getting rid of the lower spending tourists and not taxing the high spending tourists but what do bed taxes do they tax the highest spending tourists so you'll pay the most tax the more you spend on your room it's just bonkers let's let's focus on getting rid of the day trippers taxing the coaches taxing the cruise ships that turn up and and encourage people that stay overnight Oh, it's <laughs> exasperating. It, it, it's absolutely exasperating because we constantly have this discussion. Um, we, you know, this industry deserves better lobbyists. And while Andrew goes for a lie down, <laughs> uh, we'll start on our next topic, um, which is actually uh, sort of allied because it's uh, we're going to talk about Iceland and uh, how Iceland has uh, itself been been trying to build up its uh, tourism business, uh, not without some uh, some challenges along the way. And Catherine, you've been having a bit of a closer look about uh, quite how they've been trying to work this one out. Indeed, indeed. Although I was, um, as Andrew was was thinking his meaningful thoughts about politicians, um, it occurred to me that apparently 
one of the Tory party leadership candidates has talked about um, reworking the um, system of ratings, of course, which would be of huge benefit to the hotel sector and the, and the wider service industry at the moment. And so it'd be intriguing to see if that happens. Unfortunately, I cannot remember which one out of the 487 <laughs> Tory, and of course, any of them at this moment could be accused of seeing um, re-rating as something that may have occurred to them in the middle of some kind of drug fueled haze. So whether, whether <laughs> we're actually going to see a change to the rating system or whether it's something that they've it's the result of maybe a late evening um, we shall find out in the fullness of time but um, anyway yes other things is th that may have occurred as the result of a late evening um, with the, the, um, was Wow Air the world's just oh my goodness me so cheap such a cheap airline I enjoyed it extensively and um but so cheap, it, it went did, bust. It um, never made any money. Bust. If they'd, if they'd, um, they had a very cunning thing where you could um, hire iPads and things on the inside. But unfortunately, people do tend to have their own iPads, so no money made there, and uh, and no sandwiches. So as we know, sandwiches excellent way to make money on a long distance flight. But um, what they did tap into was the possibility of landing, breaking your journey, and staying for up to a week. Iceland Air still do that. This, but they are not as outrageously cheap. Um, so you could go from from the UK to the US, stop for a week in Iceland, no extra cost, fantastic. And did they did they not feed you at all then on the long haul flight? You just had to sit there and get. I on. believe well, I believe Stuff. that many sandwiches are available for purchase in Gatwick, um, and so you have to. I, but if you forgot, you got on the plane without. I, forgot, I couldn't. I wouldn't like to be put up against the wall on this. Um, so, right. Plus, you know, they've gone bust. To be fair, so nobody's going. <laughs> so, so nobody will be. So I come out there and say no. Um, but uh, but yes, maybe it was that it wasn't that you couldn't get free, which struck me as peculiar on long haul. But either way, not not wildly comfortable seats. Um, charming, charming, you know, staff and and whatnot. Very efficient and cheap as you like. Um, so yes, I've um, on many of my trips to Reykjavik, I've come across innocent people from the American Midwest who were having their first trip overseas to Iceland. And it made me wonder if you lived in, in uh, let's call it Arizona, uh, and you came over here and that was your idea of the rest of the world. Iceland was representative of the rest of the world with its steaming geysers and its huge chunks of black rock and its, you know, trolls and all the rest of it. Then maybe maybe this is why they don't travel so much. Maybe maybe that's how it happened. But anyway, turned out not so good now that um, I, that Wow Air has gone bust. Visitor numbers have dropped to Iceland. Um, uh, Reykjavik was one of those places which was being accused of being maybe somewhat overpopulated by people who were only there from other countries. Um, so maybe not the worst thing to happen to them, but something that they will have to manage. Other countries, of course, are looking at this or are taking advantage of their position as hubs to increase visitor numbers. Um, I think Finland leaps always to mind in this scenario because it's able to take advantage of the curvature of the earth um, to be slightly faster to get from China into Europe. And also its friendliness with, with Russia, which stops you from being blown out of the sky if you go over Russian airspace. So that's all worked out well. But uh, geography alone may not save you, it turns out, um, neither your budget airlines. So watch out for that one if you're planning on building lots of hotels in Reykjavik, which, uh, which people are, of course. So we'll see mm. how that plays out long term. What is the take on that now? I mean, is there lots of jumpiness and nervousness? No, people, uh, the general this? feeling from people who I spoke to um, was that 
Reykjavik has now become established as a result of all this, all these antics, and people are happy to go there. Of course, the added bonus with Reykjavik is that they did uh, decimate their economy a little while back, which makes it less expensive than it had been when it was prohibitive to go. And I think more and more people went, people know people who went, and they realise now it's an accessible, interesting place to go. So I don't think we're going to see a massive drop-off in people visiting Iceland. Still eye-watering for a pint of beer, though. Well, they have this thing, um, the uh, Appy Hour app, which will tell you where a happy hour is occurring at any given moment um, <laughs> related to your location. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be that way, people. And um, uh, oh, yeah, 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 they've thought of everything. They're very efficient. Hilarious. Well, I'm going to go back onto my why we need good lobbyist um, hobby horse. Um, and um, so air passenger duty is bonkersly high in the UK relative to the rest of Europe and and the UK is decidedly disadvantaged with its APD relative to the rest of Europe as as an extreme example and, and admittedly this is impacting a lot of people but if you're flying in an executive jet um, and you land in Paris um, your ticket is going to have as tax added to it 45 euros in the uk it's 500 euros it's a whopper it's a huge increase and it's just bonkers but i mean e even at a more rational though most of us you know are likely to ever be in a plane um sort of business class in a big jet um it, it's still very significantly higher than for any other um market in in europe uh, and, it, and this is an area where we really ought to be complaining and because clearly this is disadvantaging the uk as a potential destination and we ought to be shouting about this and doing something and lining up together as an industry as a travel and tourism industry um, focused on this rather than as so often we fight like rats in a sack about all our different separate issues um rather than unifying for the greater good and 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 putting forward the case um for our industry um so apd critical issue we ought to be focused on it and talking of uh flying and airlines uh we're now going to have a conversation i think about uh, thomas cook who of course have a uh potentially very very valuable airline they're looking to offload at the moment um, but uh, th there seems to be uh, more than just the airline in play isn't that right? Uh, indeed yes so Thomas Cook has confirmed in fact that um, it's talking to its shareholder Foson um, the owner of Club Med <clears throat> to sell its tour operator business so ta-da off we go that should be the end of Thomas Cook and um, they have had people also looking at the airline business um, but it wasn't entirely clear whether they were going to get as much for it as they hoped and it wouldn't have been enough to clear their 1.2 billion pounds in debt so um, so it looks like Thomas Cook on its way to Foson it's I mean the interesting thing for me looking here is is just Foson just how different they are to equivalent companies in the west so you just have a quick look at their uh, annual report and look at some of their recent presentations so their mission statement is creating happier lives for families worldwide and i'll just talk about i'll just read out what it says about its vision it says rooted in china creating a global happiness ecosystem fulfilling the needs of one billion families in health happiness and wealth ecosystems this ecosystem and isn't um isn't part of their happiness ecosystem um some beer uh oh they have got <laughs> hospitals 
and they talk about <laughs> their loyalty scheme. You can actually go to the hospital and I'm get loyalty points, which you can then spend at the hotels, and vice versa, no doubt. So you can go on holiday and save up for the tummy tuck or whatever. I mean, I'd have to do a lot of saving in my case, but um, you know, it's perfectly possible. Um, so, and, and they talk about something even quite fantastic called a C2M model where the C bits customers and the M bits makers they don't talk about business they talk no. about makers yes and uh, they're going to connect those two of seamlessly course. of course through te technology leadership oh yes uh, so, Sing Tao so, so. the brewer yes it's part of the Are happiness they? ecosystem it's part of them and uh, exactly, ah, exactly. Happiness, and, uh, and, and Lanvin of course the French fashion house or Longvin sorry Oh, yes. No happiness for me. <laughs> they own that, do they? Okay. Wow. Mm. Not to be confused with Land Wing, which I think is a company that makes oh, cars there we are. in China. Well, you know, yeah. Yeah. copywriting, it's not what it used to be, is it? In China. <laughs> no, quite Trademarking quite. there. <laughs> so, yeah, happiness all round. But, um, yes, yeah, so it interesting to see them combine with Club Med. Mm. Well, we'll see how that actually plays out. Um, how, how Thomas Cook, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, or whether you know, we're still waiting to see exactly what Xinjiang are going to be doing with, with Radisson. Um, that's still very much up in the air, I think, um, in terms of what the strategic uh, implications are, whether they're going to tie up um, Radisson and uh, Louvre. Um, we, I think if we were going to see yeah. some strategic um, options from them, we would have seen them by now. Yep. And on that note. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be with you again next week. Bye for now.